from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and happy to be here with you tonight, Wednesday night. If you want to join us, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I love a good political debate. I got to tell you, I really do. This is like my Super Bowl, my playoffs, my, you know, finals. This is it. I love this stuff. And while I know a lot of people are torn between watching Tucker and Trump and watching the debate, I um, I have been torn as well, flipping back between the two. And I got to tell you, this, this debate is fantastic. And the reason I like these debates, all debates, is because you get performance art. You get people trying to upstage the other guy. You get all sorts of rhetoric. And you also get people actually discussing their plans on an issue. You also get a really good take on strategy. Right. Everybody thought that it was going to be a pile on on Trump. And at least in the first hour from what I've seen when dipping in back and forth, I can tell you that it wasn't. It was a free for all on each other. And a lot of people were coming after, in my opinion, they, who they see to be the biggest threat. A lot of people were piling on Vivek Ramaswamy. I saw Chris Christie taking a shot at him. Chris Christie said. You're. He's like, we're going to listen to you, a guy that sounds like Chat GPT with a funny last name. The last time we had a funny last name, uh, a guy with a funny last name on the debate stage, his name was Barack Obama. And we all saw how that turned out. <laughs> and Ramaswamy turned to him and said, <laughs> he said, then maybe you should come give me a hug because Obama did really good after you gave him a big hug. <laughs> it was just really funny to me, really entertaining. And, uh, and you know, while they're attacking each other, they're they're also putting a couple of uh, jewels uh, of of truth out there, and these little nuggets of truth are, are priceless. Something that uh, Governor Chris Christie, who again, <clears throat> I was a part of the Christie administration from 2011 to 2013, and I can tell you, uh, he was a, he was a good governor. He's a good governor. He's a good politician. He's an excellent uh, prosecutor. Uh, but I can tell you, I think he's he's on the wrong side of some of these issues. And something he said tonight, he said. Somebody like you that's been in business his whole life and hasn't done anything to advance this government. And I thought to myself, I don't want to advance the government. I don't think anybody should. We're not in the business of advancing the government. We're in the business of advancing liberty. We're in the business of advancing what is important to we, the people. I don't care about the government. I could care less about the government. I could care less for, for so much of what the government does because so much of it is restrictive rather than encouraging of our liberty. So I have to say, very telling when you hear people say things. And there's an old saying, when people tell you who they are, believe them. And I'm enjoying watching the debate. A lot of people laying low, staying out of the limelight, trying to get a zinger in here and there. It's a crowded stage, but it's a fascinating conversation. And we're going to get to some analysis on that and some audio clips of that as well straight ahead. Now, President Trump is not joining the debate tonight. You probably have heard this already uh, because there's been talk about it for weeks. 
But he is doing a one-on-one with Tucker Carlson that's being live-streamed on X, formerly known as Twitter. And we have a, a clip of why he decided not to go to the debate. Listen to this. Why aren't you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? Well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me that. And many people said you shouldn't do them. But you see the polls have come out, and I'm leading by 50 and 60 points. And, you know, some of them are at one and zero and uh, two. And I'm saying, do I sit there for an hour or two hours, whatever it's going to be, and uh, get harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president? Should I be doing that? Uh, and a network that isn't particularly friendly to me, frankly. You know, they uh, they were backing Ron DeSanctimonious like crazy, and now they've given up on him. I mean, he's it's a lost cause. It reminded me very much of 2016. You know, in 2016, I went through the same stuff and had to fight them all the way, and then they became very friendly after I won, or just about when I was winning. But I just felt it would be uh, more appropriate not to do the debate. I don't think it's uh, right to do it. Uh, if you're leading by 50, 60, I have one poll, I'm leading by 70 points, and I'm saying, why am I doing it? And I'm going to have eight people, 10 people, whoever made the debate, I don't know how many it is, but I'm going to have all these people screaming at me, shouting questions at me, all of which I love answering, I love doing, but it doesn't make sense to do them. So uh, I've taken a pass. So Trump has taken a pass. He's bowed out gracefully from the debate. I'm sure we'll see him up there in a little bit uh, while he's analyzing his opponents. I think it's a pretty uh, smart strategy because they're putting everything out there. Not everything, because they're not really attacking him so much. A couple of, you know, shots here and there. But for the most part, they're attacking each other. And I think it's um, it's wise of Trump to be able to. Now he's got tape he can watch. He can watch it, replay it, see what's what, who's who, how they're interacting with one another, and, and have a little bit of an advantage. So um, being that he's in the driver's seat uh, thus far, I think he can do he can do just that. Anyway, back to this debate, and we're going to cover that in the upcoming segment with our guests as well. But I just wanted to tell you, it's really uh, entertaining to watch. I mean, if, if you like watching that type of thing, I like to see people going back and forth. And uh, Nikki Haley uh, came out with uh, swinging, with differentiating herself as being the only woman on the stage. Uh, but I got to tell you that right from the beginning, as they introduced the candidates, I was impressed with how many cheers there were for so many people that I would presume are not popular in the Republican Party. And then it dawned on me, well, Trump isn't there. So likely the guests, and I don't know the rules on how they invited the guests, but I would presume every candidate got to invite you know, some of their people, uh, unless Fox News did it a different way. And it, it seemed that everybody had their, their cheerleaders in the audience, minus a couple of people. And this was really telling uh, for me, watching this, thinking, wow, this is a Republican debate in a room filled with Republicans. And the Republicans were booing two people in particular, Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie. And I thought, man, that's uh, not a good look. Two former United States attorneys that um, don't seem to be incredibly popular with the base that's in the room right now. And it's lamentable. Uh, I I feel that... um, you know, if, if they would have conducted themselves a little bit differently, they might have gotten a different result. But I think being on the attack all the time gets you this type of um, reputation. So the, the, the boos, the booing that came out of this um, theater that they're in or the um, stadium they're in was really deafening, to, to say the least. Anyway, I also wanted to let you know we're going to get into a couple of really interesting topics tonight. Uh, we're going to explore the nervous system a little bit later and talk about Tourette's syndrome. 
you, many of us make fun of that stuff, right? And we're like, what is that, Tourette's? Why are you just screaming stuff? But it's a real thing, and it, it, it affects a number of people. And um, there's been some breakthroughs on that. And I want to have that discussion because I find that to be fascinating, to tell you the truth. And we've also got uh, some conversation coming up a little bit after that on the actual idea of criminalizing misgendering. Yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, straight ahead, we're going to continue our conversation on the debate, the news of the day, and all sorts of other interesting things. Plus, I got a little surprise for you. So we'll get into that uh, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Christie, do you agree with Governor DeSantis just said there? And why would you be better on the economy than him? Well, look, I do agree predominantly with what Governor DeSantis just laid out. I think that if you asked every one of us up here that we would agree predominantly with what he just laid out. Here's the difference. The difference is that we're going to have to work and make sure that we sell these ideas and we able to be able to put ourselves in a position where we get a majority of the vote, not only by winning the Congress and the Senate in 24, but also by having someone who's had the experience of doing it. Now, I was elected as a conservative Republican in a blue state with 61% of the vote, with a Democratic legislature against me the entire time. And we still, through hard, strong decision-making, brought them around to our point of view. We cut taxes in New Jersey. We cut debt in New Jersey. We made sure that each and every time we were confronted with bad democratic ideas, we stood and stopped them. And when there were good ideas, we brought people together to make progress going forward. Truth and accountability are the things we need to do to fight waste. And I'd say the last thing is this, Brett, we cannot sit by any longer and allow the kind of spending that's going on in Washington, because every dollar they spend is a dollar that these people are not allowed to spend on their children and their grandchildren. It's robbing our country, and it's wrong. That's Governor Chris Christie and his response to uh, what's going on with the economy. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of interesting responses in the debate. Uh, Governor Christie was one of the two candidates booed on his way in. And I want to continue our debate analysis with somebody that you guys know. You definitely know him from this program. Uh, You know him from Newsmax Radio, where he has a radio show. And you know him from Newsmax TV, where he's got a TV show. Rob Carson, welcome to the program. Hello, my friend. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. So uh, I'm guessing you've been tuned into the debate. If you haven't, what's your initial reaction to what you just heard? Well, what I just heard there... um was fairly uh, uh, obvious. There was nothing revolutionary there. Chris Christie said that he was elected with 61% of the vote, but when he left office, his, his, his approval rating was like 12%. So, you know, what did that do for you? Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch much of the uh, debate thus far because I was just watching uh, Tucker Carlson's uh, interview with Donald Trump, which uh, was very fascinating. I mean, really, really fascinating. And, mm-hmm. and particularly because, it, because he'd been president four years, he brings uh, a seasoned 
approach that, you know, most people aren't familiar with with regard to Donald Trump. He's a very different man than he was in 2015. So I thought that was very fascinating. I haven't had a chance to watch much of the GOP debate, but I certainly would, uh, you know, with what I have seen, I would certainly love to play. Absolutely. Yeah, and I agree with you just on the comment that you made that Trump has really um, uh, changed in his approach on a lot of things. In particular, I I noticed after from his announcement in uh, November to to now, he's really uh, been incredibly focused on on messaging, which I think in in the past he would, you know, take a little extra time to go after some of the people that went after him, those in the media. He still takes his shots, but he's not focused on taking shots. He's focused on the message, which I think is is um, is working well for him. Uh, yeah, Rob Carson, uh, go ahead. Certainly, certainly. Well, well, the thing about Trump, and, and I've said this from the very beginning, and I was not a Trump guy originally. I, I watched each of my candidates in 2015 uh, fall to defeat. I, I went out and saw um, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, Marco Rubio, um, and then when Donald Trump became the president, I started to get it, you know, a few months before the election. Um, you know, this election is different because these indictments and this constant pursuit and the Russia collusion being proven wrong and all this, people are, are seeing through that the establishment doesn't want him in Washington. And and so that, that aside, and I'm not going to try to promote one candidate or whatever, the, the only thing I will tell you is that the other candidates in this race – are at a very distinct advantage because they are now running against a movement. Uh, it's not just about Donald Trump. It's about what they're putting him through. And he has mm-hmm. become the man. The Donald Trump, the, the, the deep state is now the man. And Donald right. Trump is the victim of the man. That, that's, what it, that's what it is. And, and so when, you know, as much as I'd like to say that if you can, you know, uh, play a, a crowd of six at a Mahjong tournament at Poughkeepsie, like Asa Hutchinson, <laughs> uh, or, or Donald Trump can draw 85,000 people to a town of 3,500 in South, Dakota, or South Carolina, uh, what, what chance do you suppose you have? I'm just being brutally, brutally honest. I mean, it would, it would take a miracle. It would be, uh, it would be miraculous if any of the candidates on the GOP stage tonight were able to be the candidate. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's not running. It's unfair to them, to be honest, because they're not running against a man. They are running against the movement. That's just the way it is. The point well taken. I agree with that as well. I think a lot of people are part of that movement, and and this is why these other candidates who might well be very good candidates at any other point in time uh, aren't going to be able to take off right now because people are saying, no, 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 this is our guy. He stands for what we stand for. Now, another interesting uh, tidbit that I noticed from uh, the debate was that I thought a lot of these guys were going to get together and start kind of piling on Trump and – Flipping back and forth between Tucker and Trump and the, um, the the debate on Fox, something that I noticed was that they weren't really piling on Trump at all. They were kind of ignoring yeah. him and taking yeah. shots at each other. And yeah. uh, many of the candidates decided to take shots, in particular Chris Christie and Mike Pence, really started to, uh, going in on Vivek Ramaswamy, who's been in a little bit of hot water for his position on Israel and whatnot. But he's a smooth yeah. talker and he's... You know, he made he made a comment where he got a lot of booze and he said, yeah. I'm the only candidate on this stage that's not bought and paid for. And, and everybody booed. the Ooh. guy. <laughs> but what? I've got another clip. Yeah, he, he, he I, I, in my head, I was thinking he really stepped in that one. But uh, Ramos, we have a clip of Ramaswamy explaining why voters should choose him. And I want you to take a listen. 
Why should voters choose you over more experienced politicians on this stage? Uh, you're basically, you know, a blank slate for people. You're 38 years old. Uh, you've said that you only voted in two presidential elections before this moment, this political race. So first, let me just address a question that is on everybody's mind at home tonight. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name and what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? I'll tell you, I'm not a politician, Brett. You're right about that. I'm an entrepreneur. My parents came to this country with no money 40 years ago. I have gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. I did it while marrying my wife, Apoorva, raising our two sons, following our faith in God. That is the American dream. And I am genuinely worried that that American dream will not exist for our two sons and their generation unless we do something about it. And I do think Brett is going to take an outsider because for a long time we have professional politicians in the Republican Party who have been running from something. Now is our moment to start running to something, to our vision of what it means to be an American today. If you have a you don't turn over the keys to the people who broke it again. You hand it over to a new generation to actually fix the problem. That's why I'm in this race and we're just getting warmed up. So, Rob Carson, uh, Ramaswamy seems to be a really effective communicator, getting a lot of cheers from the crowd. Uh, what's your reaction? Well, I, I had the opportunity to meet Vivek uh, Ramaswamy and talk to him for a while with, in uh, New Hampshire a couple weeks ago. I was very blessed to be uh, uh, taken there to broadcast in uh, 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 the radio stations on the, uh, the pulse of New Hampshire. Anyway, he's an impressive individual. He is, I mean, he's breathtakingly good at what he does. Um, I think that of all the people on that stage, um, I would say he is the most vice presidential material. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, a lot of people say Tim Scott, I, uh, I, Tim is, Tim's, uh, the, the, the a lot of Trump voters they they are very concerned about anybody who has a, a hint of rhinoism and and Tim has that and they, that's and that's one of the things that's that's getting that's uh, taking down uh, uh, you know some of the other uh, the other uh, uh, candidates um, yeah. but Vivek is a, Vivek is a really impressive dude and I'm going to tell you you I think you are looking at the next Ronald Reagan in about 20 years. Mm. Um, the, you know, it, it, right. there's, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like, and I don't want to be ageist at all. It's just when I've talked to him, when he says things about Israel, like he did that to me right. says novice, that's that to me says that to me says that he needs uh, to learn a lot more. He, he honestly, ready though, just yet. Well, he needs, but, he, needs, he needs to be a cabinet member or VP. Yeah. Folks, we're on with Rob Carson from Newsmax TV and he's on the radio host of the Rob Carson show. We're going to continue uh, with Rob Carson straight ahead. We're also going to get a little bit of insider info from Rob Carson that I I want you to hear about. So don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at night and we're coming right back. tonight of a guy who sounds like chat GPT standing up here and the last person in one of these debates Brett who stood in the middle of the stage and said 
What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing in stage tonight. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. That is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie trading barbs on the debate stage tonight. We're keeping the debate monitored as uh, they go into a commercial. We are coming back. We're live with Rob Carson, host of the Rob Carson Show on radio, and he's got a TV show on Newsmax TV. Uh, he's also the former joke writer for El Rushbo, Rush Limbaugh. May he rest in peace. And uh, he also had a very, very interesting mentor. We're going to get to that in the next segment. Uh, but I want to remind you guys that tonight, a lot of interesting news, right? The Wagner Group founder... Uh, Prigozhin, he was killed in a, pa- a plane crash, and people think that uh, Putin might have something to do with it, people being me. And uh, there's other interesting news out there as well. Rudy Giuliani was booked along with a bunch of other people. His mugshot is out there. And, you know, what started out as a bunch of subpoenas is now uh, people getting fingerprinted and mugshot. Mugshotted. Is that a word? Maybe it is. I'm using it. Anyway, speaking of subpoenas, there's a little song I want you to hear about subpoenas, and it's called Subpoena Colada. Mary Garland called Jack Smith, they're big buddies you know, said I need a distraction, things don't look good for Joe, another phony indictment, Against Trump without facts. What we need is a smoke screen while we cover our tracks. Just use subpoena corruption. Funny you do it too. Find an Obama appointment and then push it right through. All right, that's Rob Carson uh, talking about corruption. Subpoena Colada. Rob Carson, that was fantastic. I love that. There's nothing like doing good uh, political analysis and adding tons of humor to it. Um, tell yeah. us about the inspiration for this this particular bit. Well, uh, we do um, a lot of um, stuff on my show, the Rob Carson Show. Um, and uh, and, and it, I started writing for Rush Limbaugh in 1989 right out of college. I was a kid. I wasn't making any money. Heard about this guy in New York, and I had been writing for some county networks, and um, and so I started writing for um, for Rush Limbaugh. And at the time, Rush wasn't running a lot of comedy. He had a couple of bits he'd play. He played a, a bit from uh, uh, UHF, uh, Al Yankovic, and you know uh, other things. And and I said, hey, maybe maybe I could write. So uh, we started doing that. And then when uh, when Kit Carson died, we kind of Rush didn't play much more comedy after that. Um, then. Uh, I got my own show, and and I decided to bring that same comedy updated, you know, for my show. And I found a guy named Jim Gossett, who's the who's the man you just heard. Jim Gossett is my a man. He is 
the most talented person I've ever worked with. I worked with Paul Shanklin with Rush, very talented man, completely different situation. Jim Gossett is a genius. So I'm, I'm sitting there and thinking, you know, subpoena, peanut, subpoena, subpoena, subpoena. Oh, my God, subpoena Kalata. So um, I, I immediately shoot an email to Jim Gossett, and I say, Jim, here's a couple of lines. See what you can do. And Jim is a, is a, in, he's insane. He, he's, he's a, he is a savant of comedy. And he will literally write the song and produce it within an hour and send it to me. So that's what he did with this song. That's that's and the thing about um, satire, you know, I always say, and and people, they don't they don't think conservatives are funny. Uh, I managed to be conservative and funny for thirty five years. Um, mm. So when I bring comedy to the radio, like I did with Rush Limbaugh's show, uh, it, it's it's a nice departure because even if you disagree, at least you can kind of laugh at the jokes, you know. Yeah. So it's a great Rob thing Carson. to bring people together. I, I yeah, think you're spot on. It's a tradition I would like to maintain. Folks, if you're one of the executives at Westwood One, please get me a joke writer. I would love a joke writer on this show. <laughs> Rob Carson, if you're available on the weekends, I mean, you're, you're a busy guy. But um, if we can yes, get you, yes, I don't know, yes. or one of your protégés. <laughs> but, but, but seriously yes. speaking, uh, subpoena Collada, and I love it. He goes into Jack Smith and all this stuff. And, and yeah, really, yeah. when we look at Jack Smith, there's not, it's no laughing matter. So it's, it's a real talent to be able to make it funny. But it's a real yes. thing. And today we saw this. Uh, in Fulton County, Georgia, where, you know, a bunch of people turned themselves in, Rudy Giuliani amongst them, Jenna Ellis amongst them, the, the president's lawyers and, and other uh, associates. And it's just um, really, you know, not to be too um, uh, too sappy, but it, it's really heartbreaking, in my opinion, to see this happening in America. What say you? I think it's a bizarre clown car of absurdity, uh, and it really has become laughable. Uh, you've got a president of the United States who was uh, impeached for nothing. We found out the first impeachment was a joke. Uh, he was impeached when he left office. He was the first uh, president to be impeached after office. He was the first president to have his home raided after office. And now uh, in, he, for, a, for a stupid lawsuit from New York uh, earlier this year, that was the first time a president other than Ulysses S. Grant had ever been indicted. And Ulysses S. Grant uh, was indicted for riding his horse too fast in D.C. I'm not joking. <laughs> Wow. So uh, it was the first indictment. Okay, so we knew then, oh, yeah, okay, they're going to use uh, indictments as a political weapon. Then came the second, then came the third, then came the fourth. And, and it really is, the American people see this. I don't care what your politics are. I mean, man up, woman up, or whatever you're going to do, and, and bring it in your election. But don't rig it. Don't do this. Don't destroy the legal system because you can't win at the ballot box. It really is. It, it's, trust me. And I'm not saying this just as a partisan. This all will collapse because it can't continue. The lie is too big. And if, and if the American people, they, they do this in countries like North Korea. They've done this in places like the Soviet Union. They have never done it in a country with the First Amendment. And they've done their level best to take that away from us. But it's not, it's not going to get better for the left. This is all going to collapse. Yes, sadly, I agree uh, that it's unsustainable. Uh, but but I'm fearful that the damage done until it collapses uh, is yeah. is something that could really last and and be lasting. And when you look at you know indicting a bunch of lawyers that represented a sitting president of the United States over discrepancies and what he believed was uh, an election, et cetera. I, I mean, to me, it just on its face it sounds uh, absurd. But the way they spin it, yeah. 
saying that this was a criminal enterprise and that they've modified the RICO law for the state level. And this was a, a criminal scheme hatched by all of these people in this massive conspiracy yes. to overturn an election, which I think is their job as lawyers working on an election. Right? <laughs> well, just, and, and I'll also mention to you, but I'll also mention to you that if you're going to believe that there was a conspiracy such as that to throw an election, then pay attention because there are four indictments happening at approximately the same time uh, well, led by Jack Smith. Now, uh, that means that this, what you're witnessing right now with these four absurd indictments is in fact conspiracy and racketeering to affect an election. It's, it, that's, why, that's where it crosses the line into absurd. And, and even if you're a liberal, for God's sake, just recognize the absurdity of that and then go, okay, let's come together to save the country. Yeah, the uncanny timing, the um, the only yeah. advantage going to the, the, the sitting president, it really is uh, absurd yeah. to say the least. Folks, we're on with Rob <laughs> yeah. Carson. He's host of the Rob Carson Show. You, you've heard him on radio, and uh, you, you know his jokes from the Rush Limbaugh Show. He's also got a funny TV show that I watch all the time on Newsmax TV. And we're having our discussion here on what's going on, the news of the day, and lots of other things. I want to get into a little bit on his career in radio and how he got into it and where he is now and uh, a couple of other tidbits along the way that I think you're really going to enjoy. And we're going to do that straight ahead. Let me give the number if you want to join the combo. Feel free to do so. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. So if you're saying they stole it from you last time, why wouldn't they do the same this time? Oh, well, they'll try. They're going to be trying, yeah. But, and not, not only me, you know. Look, uh, DeSanctis is out. I think he's gone, so he was, he was at a level he's... People have figured him out. He's gone. But if somebody else got in other than me, they'll go at him just as viciously as they did me. These people are sick. Uh, they will go after them. And a lot of people say they won't be able to hold up. I do get credit for holding up quite well, I must tell you. I think it's... Uh, How do you do that? How do you get indicted, you know, every week and stay I cheerful? It's, um, I think it, it's a lot easier because I'm, I'm so high in the polls because it means the people get it. It means the people get it, folks. That's uh, former President Trump on with Tucker Carlson on Twitter, formerly known as X or vice versa. Anyway, uh, I want to get back to our guest, Rob Carson. Rob Carson, we've got uh, Donaldus Magnus, as uh, I've, I've called him after Rush called Reagan. And El Trumpito is there with, with Tucker, and, and he's easily stealing a good market share uh, away from the debates. When we look at this... And we talk about what else they're going to do to try to derail him. What do you think is in the cards for the next evil scheme to try to derail Trump's candidacy? <laughs> you know, I mean, I said they'll do anything. 
you know, I, I don't know. If you, if you listen to MSNBC or you watch them in the morning, they're always talking about civil war. Nobody on the right is talking about civil war. Um, I, I don't know. Tucker Carlson asked, uh, asked President Trump, do you think they'll try to kill you? He asked, the, uh, the, he asked Donald Trump that twice. And, uh, you know, who the hell knows? I, I, I got to tell you, I, I've never seen anything like it. It really is. It's, it's, I would say it's discouraging, but I'm done being discouraged. Uh, there's only just this, 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 this drive to, uh, you know, listen, 74% of the American people polled, and I've seen this poll for a number of months now, 74% of us believe the country's headed in the wrong direction. Can we at least come together to save her? Okay, we can disagree on abortion. Okay, I'm very pro-life. Do I want to make abortion illegal across the country? No, I don't. And I'm the product of a rape. I was adopted because my mother was sexually assaulted, all right? So if a man who is going through that can say, you know what, leave it up to the states, then can we come together to save the greatest engine of individual and economic uh, freedom and, and, and success in the history of the world? I think we can. Rob Carson. I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about your your background, how you got into radio, and and you know why you stuck around. Well, I started in radio uh, on the air in 1984. It was 84. A freshman in college, Northwest Missouri State University, and that I was the first freshman to get on first semester on the radio. Um, I knew I wanted to do entertainment. I knew I wanted to be. Um, I knew I wanted to do something like that. I, I, I Johnny Carson was my idol. And I use the name Carson on the radio. Um, it's not my real name. My real name is Schwarzenegger. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, no, I do use the name Carson. Um, but anyway, no, it's actually. Is that it's like actually, an ode to Johnny uh, Carson? Yes, of course. Of course it is. Uh, um, and, and it's odd, odd. A kid who was 23 years old had the forethought when he was asked at a radio station in Columbia, Missouri. Hey, man, you need to come up with a radio name. What do you think? And I said, I don't know. Let's just go with Rob Carson. Okay. And it's been that way uh, ever since. So. And I started there, um, uh, you know, started in, in Northwest, and I graduated, went to Columbia, Missouri, started writing for Rush Limbaugh very early, um, began writing comedy because I was only eight, making $18,500 a year uh, as, a, as a radio host in the morning. Um, and so uh, after a one year of writing comedy, I made twice that and, um, and then never stopped. Um, I moved to Springfield, Missouri, my second job out of college where I got to know your predecessor and my mentor, and uh, essentially, um, second father, Jim Bohan. Um, hmm. I was a mu- music jock. I was 27 years old doing a radio show. Uh, you know, in mornings, it, was, it wasn't like a shock jock, but it definitely was an edgy show. And Jim would come into the AM side of our radio station, which was KWTO AM, which is the talk station where he started. Right. And yeah. so he would come over and hang out with me in my studio while I'm playing Led Zeppelin and Pearl Jam, and we'd talk politics. And we've been, we were fast friends right up to the end. Uh, and we even, I had the glory of moving. I lived about a couple miles from Jim for 12 years when I was in Washington, D.C. And I really got to connect with him. So I want to tell you this. I, I'm honored that you are filling the shoes that he left. Uh, it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal to me that you were chosen for this. I, I just want you to know that what you're doing here is you're carrying on a legacy don't ever forget Jim Bohan, and he was one of the Never. greatest people I ever knew, and uh, and uh, and he will be missed. So got to meet him there. Moved to a number of um, you know stations: Minneapolis, Cincinnati, D.C. Got let go, and I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to do talk radio. So I only started doing talk radio eight years ago. 
My first mm-hmm. full-time job was at the KCMO in Kansas City. They fired me two years into a three-year deal. I had to sell cars for three years while doing a podcast every night. Uh, and then I get a call from a guy named Chris Ruddy while I'm at the car dealership on a Sunday. And he Good goes, um, he goes, hey, 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 Rob Carson, where have you been? I said, well, I've been in an abusive relationship with radio for 25 years. He goes, Rob, I'm going to make you. He says, I'm going to make you a star, bro. He said, I'm going to make you a star. And he took me. We started off with a podcast. Rob Carson, let me jump in here. Can you, would you consider staying for one more segment? Oh, sure, 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 sure. All right, so I'm going to pause right here. We're going to come back and finish the story with Chris Ruddy. We're going to leave everybody hanging. That's the rule in, in radio, right? Always leave them wanting more. Folks, we're on with Rob Carson. It's me, Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Folks, we twisted his arm and he succumbed to doing another segment. Rob Carson remains with us. Rob Carson, I want to thank you for your kind words in the previous segment. And uh, you were telling us you'd left off where you were selling cars. You'd been in an abusive relationship with radio for 25 years and were, was not in radio after coming out of a, a three-year contract in year number two. And you got a call from Newsmax CEO Chris Ruddy. Rob Carson. And Chris Chris, uh, Chris just recognized um, that I had something. And he gave me a podcast. Uh, we were making about 45,000 downloads a week until one day in October. We had 600,000 in one day. Nice. He said, okay, well, let's, cre- let's, let's create Newsmax Radio. You're our guy. So they hired a CEO, um, Lee Kinberg, and they created Newsmax Radio, got me on 29 stations, got a TV show. I started the TV show three years ago. It's called Rob Carson's What in the World? And Rush, or, uh, Donald Trump invited me to Mar-a-Lago for dinner um, last year, and he, uh, he invited me because he says I'm the funniest man on TV. So going from selling cars and, and, and really uh, at night literally like praying, God, let me die. Or help me. It was really that bad. I'm not kidding. It was that bad. Yeah. And, and then Chris, got, I, I just, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. I get to do this for a living. You get to do this for a living. It's just Amen. glorious. It's well, glorious. Rob Carson, uh, I want a TV show and I want to be on the radio for 35 years like you have. It's, it's, it's a storied career. It's phenomenal. Uh, let everybody well, know. Well, I still got how... a long way to go. Well, I, hey, my career is just beginning. That's uh, every day, right? Is a new adventure. Tell everybody how they can listen to your show and watch your show. Okay, guys. Well, I'm on noon to three, and the same time slot is Rush Limbaugh, talent on loan from God. Um, <laughs> and it's noon to three. If you want all the stations, go to Newsmax.com, Newsmax.com slash listen, actually. Newsmax.com slash listen. And then my TV shows on the weekends, hopefully expanding. You can go to Newsmax TV for that. You can uh, check out when it's on and also watch the archive shows. Outstanding. Rob Carson, uh, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and an incredible broadcaster. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. It was really my pleasure. Uh, You too, brother. God bless you, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. God bless. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. We continue our debate coverage and everything else, and I'll continue to reflect on all the funny jokes that Rob Carson told us. (laughs) I love a funny guest. It keeps me going all night long. Anyway, we're going to do that. We're also going to talk about something we don't talk about too much, the nervous system, neurology, and Tourette's. Yep, 
I know I've made jokes about that, probably off color, and forgive me for doing that. But we're going to talk about the real Tourette syndrome and how that affects people. Uh, plus, more debate coverage, and we have more conversation to come after that. So don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. Get comfy. Don't change the channel. Stick with us. Rich Valdez coming right back. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Wednesday night. Of course, the debate was tonight. It just wrapped up moments ago, and I got a clip I'm going to play for you uh, from that momentarily, but a couple of headlines. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, former colleague of mine, somebody I consider a friend and uh, and a, a great American patriot, the guy who held New York City together, during the 9-11 attacks, a guy who cleaned up New York City, a guy who took on the mob, was arrested, fingerprinted, and mugshotted. And I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm using that, mugshotted. You can use it. Feel free. And after having his mugshot mug taken, he did a press conference, and he, he, he ripped Fannie Willis, and, and good for her, good for him on, on doing that, because shame on her for doing what she's doing. This is a... I don't know what word to use anymore, a miscarriage of justice. This is just absolute crazy, in my opinion, and it's got to stop. But that's what's happening there. President Trump bowed out of the debate, as you guys know. He um, did a one-on-one with Tucker Carlson on X, known as Twitter, or Twitter known as X. I don't know how to say that anymore. And he's turning himself in tomorrow. So tomorrow will be a free-for-all. We're going to get some analysis on that at the top of the hour tomorrow as that unfolds. But I want you to hear just a quick clip from the debate tonight. Uh, there were so many candidates out there. And one of the candidates that was booed was Asa Hutchinson. Uh, Nikki Haley also had some interesting remarks to give, as did Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And uh, DeSantis um, made mention in a very, uh, I would say he came out swinging uh, on a very positive note, really taking the high road talking about the the popular song from Oliver Anthony, Rich Man North of Richmond. And I want you to hear this clip. So, Governor DeSantis, why is this song striking such a nerve in this country right now? What do you think it means? Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. with understanding we must reverse Bidenomics so that middle-class families have a chance to succeed again. We cannot succeed as a country if you are working hard and you can't afford groceries, a car, or a new home while Hunter Biden can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on lousy paintings. That is wrong. We... 
We also cannot succeed when the Congress spends trillions and trillions of dollars. Those rich men north of Richmond have put us in this situation. And finally, we need to lower your gas prices. We're going to open up all energy production. We will be energy dominant again in this country. I showed it could be done in the state of Florida. I pledge to you as your president, we will get the job done and I will not let you down. So that's Governor Ron DeSantis uh, coming out forcefully, but not having a whole lot of opportunity to shine with everybody, you know, trying to have their moment of time. Uh, From what I saw in the first hour of the debate, I was on the air in the second hour, so I can't really get to that. But we'll be, you know, uh, going back to the clips that we grabbed throughout the evening, throughout the rest of this program. But something that Martha McCallum mentioned, she said, why do you think that song is striking a nerve? And that reminded me of the story I wanted to talk about, which is about tick disorders, right? And um, obviously, I believe that has something to do with the, the nervous system and uh, neuro, the neurologic part of our body. And it's something we don't talk enough about, you know, living with Tourette's syndrome or how it affects people, including teenagers. So I want to bring in our guest, Dr. Francis Murphy. He's a chiropractor, and he's going to tell us a little bit about Tourette's syndrome, uh, one of my points in doing this show is always to try to teach you one or two things you may not have known before and to shed awareness on things that are kind of off the beaten path sometimes, but equally as important as everything else we talk about. Dr. Francis Murphy, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Rich. I'm so happy to be here tonight. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you staying up late with us. Now, uh, I got to say, you know, full disclosure to everybody, I am a chiropractic junkie. I discovered this stuff many years ago as a teenager. I got into a car accident. They send you some, uh, I'm going to call it a factory chiropractor. And they would, you know, adjust me and send me packing, give me some ice packs and whatever. But later in life, I found a guy who really took a holistic approach to to chiropractic. And, it, you know, it, it, it's amazing. And it affects so many parts of, of your body, your, your breathing, your you name it, you know, just how you go to the bathroom. All of it is right. in one way or another uh, affected by the spine. So, uh, Dr. Murphy, tell us about these tick disorders and and how these challenges are exacerbated for, for young people especially. Well, Rich, the, uh, for the longest time, uh, it, Tourette's syndrome and tick disorders was uh, considered unclear what exactly was causing it. And a, a lot of research money is spent on possibility of it being hereditary and I mean a lot of money and the medical community I love the medical community that they've saved my life a couple of times but has kind of claimed Tourette's syndrome as their baby this is in their domain but I started to uh, years ago back in 2006 I started to look at the body in a slightly different way and I started to realize that the way they characterized Tourette's and tick disorders didn't really follow what I was seeing in patients. Now, chiropractors do not treat Tourette's syndrome or any name diseases. They, they see the body structurally. And a real good chiropractor, you know, pays close attention to the little stuff. As you get older and into this game longer and longer and longer, you get better and better, just like any other thing. Mm-hmm. But in, in 2006, I figured out 
how how to fix something called frozen shoulder syndrome using a, just a chiropractic technique that would seem miraculous to people. And I had the opportunity to travel all over the world and teach people this. I, uh, I was kind of a spokesperson for the World Federation of Chiropractors. I was a trustee on the board at my uh, alma mater, and I had gotten a lot of fame for that. And so I'm taking care of these people and I'm noticing that they also have us other things going on with them. And one day somebody came in that had a shoulder and ticks. And so I started to look at them like I look at everybody else structurally and I made a correction structurally and ticks went away. Mother came back the next day and she was blown away. She was like, what did you do? Wow. And I said, well, you know, I looked at her, I, I look at everybody's x-rays. I take cervical x-rays of everybody. And I carefully looked at her x-rays. I saw some anomaly, uh, anomaly in there. And I thought to myself, this isn't right. And uh, I, when I corrected it, I realized that I had stumbled upon something really great. And that thing was that the vagus nerve which travels all over the body, it's responsible for something really easy to remember, rest, digest, and heal. And the counterpart to that rest, digest, and heal is the sympathetic nervous system, which is fight, flight, and freeze. When you're in fight, flight, and freeze, that mimics everything about Tourette's syndrome. So first there's the structural problem that takes place and it's not just one structural problem it's one that causes you to move your body in a different way and now it becomes a second one and a third one they kind of lock up like a puzzle and to un when you undo the puzzle the neurological symptoms go away so it starts as a structural problem it affects the parasympathetic nervous system, which accelerates the sympathetic, which is the fight, flight, freeze, then with that comes all this adrenaline and cortisol into the system. Now the kid has an advanced stage of ADHD where they, they have problems with everything, executive fun function, handwriting, time awareness. They have anxiety. They can't poop properly. They don't sleep. And this OCD all comes with that hypersympathetic nervous system, that hyper adrenaline and cortisol in the body. And when the energy builds up like a lion pacing back and forth in a cage, when it, that energy in the body builds up and that doom that's not really there gets so mm -hmm. bad, they start to tick. The energy builds up in their body and they start to have unusual motor ticks, which are could be facial expression or head jerks or arm jerks or tapping something or kicking something or verbal. And they could yell out a lot of times it's profane, but it's out of frustration that the words that come out of them that pure frustration of the energy, not knowing where to go. Right. And it's, it's, it's terrible because a lot of people commit suicide over this. They just can't take it anymore. The um, adrenaline and cortisol, the drugs that your body makes when you're in this sympathetic storm, 
you're on it all the time. It stunts these children's growth. And when they get better, they go into these amazing growth spurts. And these kids are all savants. They end up developing another part of their brain because of the structural situation. And and you can see it when they can act normally. They are really, really good at something. It's amazing to see. I've only been doing this for a couple of years. I, I took a couple of years to perfect how I you know, the nervous system becomes damaged and weakened. You can fix the thing that caused it, but now you have to build back up the nervous system. It's very simple to do. It's very logical the way we do it. It's simple exercises, breathing, um, affirmations, um, the right nutrition, getting yeah. off of artificial sweeteners, getting off of artificial colorings and flavorings, uh, trying to get heavy metals out of their bodies that they you can find in the food, air and water. And when you that accelerates the healing process when you can get rid of all the junk in their body and fix their structural problem at the same time. Dr. Francis Murphy's our guest. And folks, again, something I just want to clarify is that I've been through a little bit of a metamorphosis myself uh, as a as a patient um, undergoing chiropractic care for many years. And I can tell you there's a bunch of things from sleep to breathing to you name it, a lot of things. And I have ADHD and it, it, I can't say chiropractic made it better because I, I can't prove that. But I feel like it's a lot more manageable when I get adjusted once or twice a week and at sometimes three times a week if it's a if it's an interesting week. Uh, but uh, something I wanted to clarify, because I remember when uh, people were telling me about the cervical x-rays, I was like, I don't even have a cervix. What are you talking about? <laughs> and of course, we're talking about the cervical spine. And and, and this is a, a, a interesting part because, you know, there's that the, the atlas and then the vagus nerve and these things affect so many different things that you have to make sure you keep it straight to avoid um, any, um, uh, what's the word, disease. So uh, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Francis Murphy. Of course, if you have a question or a comment, you want to join the conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Dr. Francis Murphy. And, Doc, in the limited time that we have left, I think we got about three minutes together before um, they play the music and kick us out. I'd like you to give, uh, I guess, our listeners some some advice, if you will, on, on why they should consider chiropractic. And I'm not a spokesperson or the poster child for chiropractic, but it's just something that's had a big benefit in my life, and I think it can really help a lot of people. Francis Murphy. Well, I, um, chiropractic is so unique 
in that chiropractors have to know everything about the body. You know, they they don't give you pills to solve your problems. They they work with what we call homeostasis, which is the body's natural ability ability to heal itself. It's such a it's such a simple way to look at the body. The body has a fluidity, a structure, a skeleton, and that skeleton is attached to a lot of of muscles, tendons, and it allows us to move and movement is life. That is life. And so to keep the skeleton healthy and means to keep the the muscles and the tendons healthy. And to do that, you have to eat and sleep and think properly. And chiropractors are preachers of all of that and masters of the skeleton. And when the skeleton is right, it is mixed with the nervous system. You, you wouldn't call a plumber a water plumber. It's implied that they understand the way water flows. It's the same thing with chiropractic. We spend a lot of time understanding how the function of the structure of the body interfaces with the nervous system. And that's what we're masters at. And, and a really good chiropractor will dig out your problem. And if they can't solve it, They'll have a reputation and somebody that can solve it in their back pocket. You move the bone, the body heals itself, right? That's the idea. Yes, sir. And it's a shame that there's so much politics involved when it comes to chiropractic in different states and whatnot that I've seen. And this uh, powerful lobby from the American Medical Association versus uh, you guys and either integrating or not integrating. Uh, but hopefully we get to a place one day where everybody's under one roof, you know. So when you walk into your regular doctor, you know, there's a chiropractor there. There's you know, just every type of specialist that you would need because I think it, it, it solves more problems than people think. Doc, I want you I to let everybody know that. how they could. Yeah, you bet. Tell everybody how you um, how they can find you. Real easy. DallasWellness.com. Check them out at DallasWellness.com, Dr. Francis Murphy. Sir, I appreciate your time. Uh, I was enlightened by the conversation, and Godspeed to you. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate you. You bet. Folks, we're going to continue our discussions on the debate, and we're also going to dip into a little bit about what's going on with this misgendering. Uh, there's some talk around making misgendering a crime that can be criminally prosecuted. Now, this is an interesting idea, right? I think if, you know, you go to the chiropractor, you get adjusted, you're feeling like a million bucks, and then you bump into somebody and, oh, excuse me, sir. Oh, I'm not a sir, I'm a ma'am. What? Security? And next thing you know, you're in jail. That would be insane, but that's actually something that's uh, being proposed, and I hope it's not really considered because that's just kind of insane to me. Uh, I mean, if somebody came to me, and they have, and been like, oh, you're one of the best Mexicans on radio. I'm like, I'm not Mexican. What are you talking about? Right? Nothing against Mexicans. I love Mexicans. But, you know, uh, people make mistakes. People are ignorant. People are lots of things. The last thing we should do is throw them in jail. Anyway, we're going to talk about that straight ahead with Alex McFarland. He's coming up next. Plus, your calls. Open Phones America is coming up at the top of the hour. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back.
Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Y'all really want to try to say there aren't trans kids? Let me tell you what there aren't. There aren't cis kids. Okay, you telling your child, oh, you're a boy, you're a girl. This is a child. This is a free spirit that has not learned any of that bullshit. And so you force it on them. So cisness is the wound. Cisness is the delusion. Cisness is the lie. Cisness is the place of pain. Transness is the healing. Transness is the growth. Transness is the truth. Transness is what we actually are. We are fluid. We are 70% water. We are God. God is change. God is trans. We are trans. You are forcing your kids to be boys and girls. We're saying, be whatever you are, baby. Be free, be water, be light, be sky, be God, because guess what? That's what we actually are. What we actually are is trans, is change, is love. We're not the ones doing the forcing. And see God chiming just on time. So I'll say three things to this. First of all, this guy, I can guarantee you, this is a transgender activist on TikTok. I would bet anything this person does not have children, number one. Number two, cisness is not the disease. And most importantly, number three, God is not trans. But these, I'm going to call them crazies, that are uh, on, on TikTok and other places uh, putting this stuff out there, have influenced lots of young people, Gen X, Gen Z, uh, millennials. A lot of people are buying into this idea that misgendering, if you dare tell someone that is trans and you call them by the wrong gender, that this should be a criminal offense. This is absolute crazy town to me. But I want to get to the bottom of it. And here to weigh in is Alex McFarland. Uh, He's got a show called Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. And he's with us now. Alex McFarland, welcome back. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate this opportunity, and I appreciate the the great work you do with your program, Rich. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Now, you heard the audio clip on the way in. This guy says, cisness is the the disease, right? Being cisgender, a word they've uh, concocted. Uh, He said that God is trans and that we should train our children to be to be everything, to be fluid, because they are water, they are sky, they are earth. It was just a really interesting soliloquy and rant. Uh, How do you react to that? Well, I agree with you. I mean, this person is is not at all in touch with reality. Uh, Male and female are objective categories of gender. Uh, Gender is not, quote, assigned at birth. Uh, Gender is not some arbitrary construct that parents uh, force on kids, um, you know, people are male or female, XY, chromosome males. Uh, the, the pelvic bone is gender specific. Even the Smithsonian uh, Museum of, of History and Anthropology says that the, the determinant way to identify a skeleton is by the, the pelvic bone. That's male or female. So a question I might have is, so let's say someone is, is male and they identify as female. Uh, in, inside of their abdomen, has their pelvic bone changed? 
from a male pelvis to a female pelvis. But um, let me say, besides the ideological battle that really does threaten the fabric of our country and the future of our Constitution, I mean, there are so many things at play here. But I'm just going to say this as a minister and, uh, you know, spent 30 years counseling people, researching, uh, interviewing literally hundreds of scholars, medical, philosophical, scientific, um, in, in essentially every discipline. It's been my privilege to interview PhDs around the world uh, mm-hmm. in the course of researching and writing 20 books and hundreds of articles. Uh, we're in a spiritual battle. We're absolutely in a spiritual battle. Um, there, there's one thing that the, uh, the soundbite is almost right on. The guy, I disagree with the, the voice that we heard on that clip that, you know, gender is not arbitrarily assigned by parents. He said, we are gods. We are our own gods. No, we're not. Uh, we're not God. Now, there is a God. Uh, there's a creator, and we are the creation. But he was close to being right. We want to be our own God. And trans ideology I'm going to say it. I'm only speaking for Alex McFarlane here, but uh, it's it's really demonic in that, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, God, you can't tell me how to behave. But transgenderism says, God, you can't define what I am. I will sovereignly define what and who I am. And, you know, there it's it's delusional. It's it's tragic. It's unfortunate, but it's also dangerous. Because if we as a country don't muster the courage to say, look, there are some objective truths that just simply aren't up for debate, um, we're just going to descend further and further into anarchy. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, it's troubling to me that close of half of millennials believe misgendering should be a criminal offense. I think that's absolutely nuts. Uh, but willing to have the conversation. So we're going to do that straight ahead in the next segment. Folks, we're on with Alex McFarland, and he is uh, the host of Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. He's with us uh, for another segment, and we're going to continue that discussion on why half of millennials that were surveyed by the piece I'm looking at uh, believe that misgendering should be a crime. (laughs) I mean, I just... It's it's so beyond me from a First Amendment perspective. But if you want to weigh in on this, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833-482-5337. Rise in body or spirit. 
and let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the eighth quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So, beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. That is the uh, heretical Rachel Small Stokes. She is a minister of Emmanuel United Church of Christ in Louisville, Kentucky. And that is known as the Sparkle Creed, a modernized version uh, filled with heresy on the Apostles' Creed. Alex McFarland, what say you? Well, uh, anybody that affirms that creed and is trusting it for their soul's redemption is going to be rudely awakened, you know. Um, Matthew seven twenty one through 24 Jesus, uh, and by the way, remember him, the, the only man that ever rose from the dead. Jesus mm-hmm. said, many will say on the judgment day, Lord, Lord, you know, I was religious. I used religious words. I did many wonderful works. And Christ says, I never knew you. Depart, you who work wickedness. See, uh, I'm just going to be very straight. I mean, we could talk politics, medicine, culture, law, but... Um, it's worth it. Our, our nation needs some theological truth. And and for 2,000 years, all strata of Christendom, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, they've recognized things. There was a man uh, claimed to be the Son of God and the way to heaven. His name was Jesus. He was crucified at Passover, and he had said that we would know that he could forgive sin and save us. We, we could know that he was truly God incarnate in that he would rise from the dead. And it's been my, my privilege to interview archaeologists, historians. Um, one person, and uh, you may not know his name, but uh, Gary Habermas, PhD from Michigan State, he is universally acknowledged to be the world expert on the resurrection and ancient evidence for the life of Christ. Another colleague, Dr. Michael Lycona, who I've interviewed many times, uh, his PhD is in historiography, how we do history. Many other names I could name, but in, in terms of did the resurrection of Christ literally historically happen? Basically, the two preeminent PhDs on that subject would be Habermas and Lycona, and both would say this is the most verifiable eyewitness validated fact of the ancient world. Why am I Why don't there's digressing? a question about that? Honestly, I, I think most people acknowledge it, even this woman, right? Uh, Rachel Small yeah. Stokes from Emmanuel Church of Christ. I think the issue here is 
uh, and, and I'd like you to maybe um, give your opinion on it, is there seems to be a culture war in and of itself within Christendom with the sure. woman who came up United Methodist and then did ministry work and served as a missionary, according to her biography, and then joined mm-hmm. the United Church of Christ which has been ordaining gay ministers since like 1972. So I think the question mm-hmm. becomes, um, where does this rift come from? Is it a, a, a push from the left to say the same way we see that push from the left in public education, in our government? Are we seeing that push from the left in the church? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it really within all, all strata of Christendom, there's a push from the left to uh, deviate away from the authority of Scripture and to whatever narrative happens to be the predominant voice at the moment. I mean, you know, right now it's trans-sparkle ideology. I mean, a decade from now it could be, you know, alienism or, you know, God knows what. But the rift in Christendom is because we are taking the Word of man over the Word of God. And mm-hmm. uh, in John ten thirty five, Jesus said, the Scripture cannot be broken. He, here's why we need to take the Word of Christ over the Word of, of anybody, take, over me. I mean, don't, don't listen to what Alex McFarland says. Right. Listen to what the Word of God says. And in well, we have Matthew, to listen to you when you're on this show. <laughs> well, Make thanks. sure you listen to but, Alex but, McFarland. <laughs> yeah, I mean— but uh, in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew twenty four thirty five, Jesus said, heaven and earth could pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so we need to understand that the Word of God is eternal, and it's mm-hmm. binding on all generations. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God made male and female. That's Genesis one twenty seven. Um Jesus said that we have to be born again, that our sins would be forgiven, John chapter 3. And we, we are born again by admitting our sin and trusting Christ for our forgiveness. So um, humans have crafted many creeds. There was the Humanist Manifesto, and there's, there's, there's no shortage of heretical attempts by humans to craft a worldview. But again, the only worldview and prescription for redemption that came from a man who was able to conquer death is the Christian good news of Jesus Christ. Alex McFarland, we digressed a little bit, but that was a really good conversation. I want to get your take on why you think half of millennials believe that misgendering should be a crime. So we're going to do that straight ahead. Folks, weigh in, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Alex McFarland. Alex McFarland, 38% of those ages 35 to 44 years old uh, believe misgendering should be illegal. Uh, by contrast, 35% in that same age demographic uh, disagree. So what do you think is the um, the bottom line of why so many people in that particular age group think that calling someone by the wrong gender should be illegal? Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't think anybody can definitively uh, know what somebody else thinks for the conclusions they may or may not hold. But let me say what I suspect. Uh, and just FYI, I was a full-time youth pastor for 11 years and have done endless amounts of research and counseling over the last 30 years about youth and youth culture. And here's one thing about millennials and younger and Gen Z and Soggies. I mean, there's so many different demographics that have been identified. Um, feelings trump reality. In fact, for millennials and younger, feelings are reality. And because emotions and feelings in, in their mind really are at the core of someone's identity. I mean, for them, they believe you are what you feel. And so the, the cardinal sin is to hurt somebody's feelings. And now we know in reality, you know, rational people and big grown-up professional adults realize there is no guarantee in this world that you won't get your feelings hurt. You know, that's why this is a generation that had participation trophies. You know, um, I grew up playing baseball, and believe me, we played to win, and we also played so that the other team would lose. Yeah. But, but we all know in, in the late 90s, I mean, um, in T-ball and Little League and, and sports leagues, not everywhere, but in many a locality, there was no loser. You know, you played 60 minutes, and everybody everybody got a trophy. Uh, and so we're, we're a couple of generations into young people that have been groomed that you, you at any think, cost, mm-hmm. you, don't hurt, you don't hurt somebody's feelings. Well, the cost is truth and reality, and the, the cost is about to be our, our freedom. Now, under free speech law, um, there, there's a thing called the doctrine of compelled speech that the First Amendment says that the, the government will not bar you from free expression of ideas. But it also means that the government uh, is banned from compelling you to say things you don't want to say. You know, if you don't want to say the Pledge mm-hmm. of Allegiance, you don't have to. But with, with misgendering laws, uh, it's basically a form of compelled speech. Because um, I mm-hmm. was speaking at a Alex college. McFarland, buddy. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I want you to tell everybody how they could learn more about you because we're about to run out of time. Oh, well, thanks, Rich. Well, my website is just alexmcfarland.com and then our club, viraltruth.com. Folks, Alex McFarland, check him out at alexmcfarland.com. Alex McFarland, always a pleasure. Great theological discussion with you on the culture. I appreciate it. Folks, more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. Open Phone America starts right now.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Our telephone number, if you want to join us, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And in some international news, the head of the Wagner Group, that's the uh, mercenary group that is fighting in Ukraine and they work with the Russians, the guy, uh, I don't know if he's a general or the commander, named Prigozhin, who uh, led that kind of march against Putin last year, I mean last month, um, or the month before, he uh, is apparently dead. Uh, he died in a plane crash. They're saying he was killed and after his failed coup attempt uh, against Putin. So everybody said he's a dead man walking. And I said, I don't think Putin's doing anything. Putin's not going to do anything to this guy. If he was, he would have done it already. Well, I guess I'm eating my words on that one. I don't know if Putin did it or not, but homie's dead. And uh, I have no reason to believe that Putin wasn't the guy in, in charge of that one. Now, Joe Biden is also blaming Putin. So, look, I agree with Joe El Baboso Biden on something that, uh, what's his name? Vladimir Putin killed this guy, uh, Yevgeny, I think that's his name, Yevgeny uh, Prigozhin. So we'll find out more about that tomorrow with one of our uh, esteemed global affairs experts. I think General Blaine Holt is scheduled to join us tomorrow on that one. Plus, we'll be talking about Trump turning himself in tomorrow. But today, Giuliani was arrested. Jenna Ellis was arrested. Uh, so many people, and as well as uh, Professor John Eastman yesterday turned himself in, and they're just making a big spectacle of everything that's going on. Um, just it's a real shame to see what's happening. There's also another story I want to get to a little bit later. The um, well, this one's not too uh, deep, but the, remember the guy who killed the uh, young woman in uh, Idaho and then her friends while they were sleeping. Well, apparently he, he's now waived his right to a speedy trial so that he can have a lengthy trial, and he's in jail. Meanwhile, remember Sam Bankman-Fried, the guy who uh, collapsed FTX and stole all that money and then funded the Democrats? His lawyers are complaining, saying that he can't get any vegan food in jail or Adderall. <laughs> and I said, I got news for you, bro. Uh, you're not getting Adderall out here either, right? There's a big shortage on Adderall. It's really hard to get. And a lot of people are suffering because they can't get uh, enough Adderall because it's being proliferated and being sold on the street. It's a crazy situation with Adderall. Anyway, then there is a, a teacher that was arrested for being drunk on the job. Third grade teacher, I guess they called the cops on her, had her do a breathalyzer, and she was arrested. We'll talk about that straight ahead. And I also want to get to your calls because I know – we do the speed round at the last segment because people call in kind of late and uh, I want to give everybody a chance. So let's see, where do we go here? Let's go to Brody in Pittsburgh. Brody in Pittsburgh on KDKA. Welcome, my brother. Such an honor to talk to you, uh, my uh, liberty-loving Latino friend. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, I just really appreciate your, I just really appreciate your show very quickly. Uh, there was a standoff today in Pittsburgh that was very violent and very, very touchy. Um, a, uh, a former vet, um, was, uh, a, uh, I guess he was a a squatter in his house and, uh, the uh, law enforcement did uh, very well. Luckily, nobody was, uh, Except for him, he and uh, I just I, I just wanted to say you know whoever reads this story, um, please give praise to law enforcement. We like law enforcement and yeah. uh, su- support the blue. And uh, I don't know if you read that that article. It was it was very it, it, it was a standoff that was happening since ten thirty in the morning and finally ended after five. And um, I just. Uh, Hope and pray everybody uh, just uh, understands that the, these violent situations we need uh, we 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 need uh, law enforcement for this. So, and they said something to uh, Joe Biden about it, Boboso, and I think he probably <laughs> forgot it five minutes later because he never really uh, made a comment on it. Nor I don't know whether he cares, but uh, mm-hmm. keep. Keep doing a great job. I want to, you know, you to get to other people, but I just wanted to sure. bring well, you up know, Before you go, Brody, I just want to update the audience because I'm looking at the story right now reported by KDKA, yeah. our affiliate in Pittsburgh. And, uh, yeah, the gunman was dead after a six-hour standoff with Pittsburgh police in the Garfield area. And the police said the active shooter was barricaded inside a home uh, in, you know, whatever neighborhood. I don't need to get into all that. And you're right. It was there forever from 11 in the morning to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And I feel badly when anybody's dying, really. It's, it's, a, it's a bad thing. But I have to say, I'm of two minds on a thing like this, right? Number one, I say, man, I feel bad. The guy was a vet. The guy was squatting. He was homeless. He was probably mentally ill. Whatever the case was, he was going through a tough time. I would love to have seen him get the help he needed. But the other side of that same coin is this. You can't pull out a gun and shoot at the police and think that it's going to go well for you. Criminals... And that's criminal, right? So whether he was a career criminal or not, at that point, he's a criminal. If you're shooting at the cops or anybody, right? You can't shoot at people unless your life's being threatened or whatnot. You can't shoot at the cops and have this huge standoff. I mean, they're bringing, I'm looking at the video here, SWAT vehicles. They look like tanks. These armored uh, personnel vehicles coming in. There's cops everywhere. This guy's bucking shots at the police. Really, what do you think is going to happen when you have guys that train regular cops, right? For every overweight cop that's out there that, you know, hasn't run and hasn't been to the gym in forever, there's 10 guys that take this extremely seriously. Officers, very professional officers that know the law, that know their weapon, that keep their weapon clean, that train and qualify with their weapon, that that go to the gym, that work out, that are in good shape, prepared for moments like this, not for, for somebody who's, you know, having a mental breakdown. And again, that's the last thing you want to do. But once you're getting shot at, all bets are off and you're going to end up as Swiss cheese. And, and I hope somebody listening here who thinks, man, I'm going to get into a shootout with the cops. No, don't do it. It's not a good look. You're not going to win. Ultimately, I think people do these things because they do want to die. And they're like, you know, I'm, I'm, they're going to get me, but I'm going to take a few of them out you know, on the way. This, I think, the attitude, kind of like school shooters. But horrible what goes on. And, and it's a shame to see that this happened. So thanks for uh, bringing up this story, Brody. I appreciate it. No, no, no problem. He also shot at his next door neighbor too. I mean, yeah. he, nobody was. I'm glad nobody was injured. And uh, keep doing a great job. Uh, I listen to you every night. And oh, uh, it's a crazy world out there. You be safe, sir.
YouTube, brother. God bless you, Brody. Let us uh, continue. Let's go. Where are we going now in America? We've got calls from all over the place. Let's go to Ventura, California, KVTA, and check in with our new friend, Porcupine. Porcupine, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. I'm commenting on the misgendering. Now, is Porcupine your first name, middle name, or last name? Or your nickname? No, that's my first name, sir. It's a real name, long story. Okay, so (laughs) you mentioned misgendering. Um, Yes. Misgendering. How ludicrous is it for the group of people to to say that they're now going to penalize us or criminalize us for misgendering them when they're the same group of people that says there is no defined biological gender? They're the same people that says the baby comes out and the doctor can't even determine it. So what if I inadvertently encounter somebody, you know, going about? How am I supposed to know? I mean, if it looks like a guy, I might say, sir. Or if it looks like a woman, I might say, ma'am. And they could say, well, you're misgendering me. How ludicrous is that? I mean, how are we supposed to know? That's my question to you. And I'll go ahead and listen to your response. And uh, it was nice talking to you for the first time. And uh, maybe we'll talk another time. Thank you, Porcupine. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody in Ventura, California on KVTA. I appreciate the call. I hope you call back again soon. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's kind of crazy to think that we're going to literally now not speech police, but we're going to police speech with law enforcement and make this a criminal offense. Just imagine all of the crime that's going on in in so many big cities across America and all of the things that are being decriminalized, right? I mean, you've got prostitution running amok right now in Queens in New York City because they've decriminalized prostitution. They, They don't go after prostitutes. And again, I understand some of them are trafficked and whatnot, but you have to enforce the law. Law and order has to maintain some way And if you go, oh, well, no, because you went through a tough time, then the next thing you know, you sound like AOC, all out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who famously said, well, sometimes these people just need bread to eat, so they're stealing bread. Meanwhile, people are stealing screen TVs right out of the front door of Walmart. This is not feed your family, right? And even if it was, are we going to now say, well, if you're stealing to feed your family, then it's okay. If you're going to the jewelry store with a hammer and stealing everything in the display case, it's okay. If you're going to the Yves Saint Laurent store and taking, you know, expensive pocketbooks and other clothing items that they have, it's okay because you're hungry or you're unemployed or whatever. If you're unemployed, it's because we have a difficult economy right now. Even though there's a lot of part-time jobs that were created and, and, and the jobs part of the economy seems to be doing a little bit better than the rest of the economy. It doesn't make a difference, in my opinion. You can't just go out there and steal anything you want from anybody. That's just crazy town. Anyway, we're going to get to the rest of your calls. We've got calls from Alabama, Pennsylvania, Brooklyn, New York, Vermont, Maryland, and more coming in. 482-5337-8334 Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Live late night radio 
six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. I am confident that when the law is faithfully applied in this proceeding, all of my co-defendants and I will be fully vindicated. Talk to the former president at all? Nope. Do you regret attaching your name to the former president? None whatsoever. The president calls and asks for representation. I think every citizen in my position should be willing to stand up for we got a plane to representation. That is Professor John Eastman, uh, uh, law school dean and uh, expert uh, on, on many things in jurisprudence. And uh, he was arrested, turned himself in as part of this attack on Trump, attack on the American people, in my opinion. And it's it's crazy how the small fringe group of, of radical left-wing politicians and activists within the media, within the Democrat Party, within our government, have been able to pull this off. But they have, and they did. And it's it, it, as incredulous as I feel right now. I, again, as I see it happening, and I've seen it happening, and I breathe this stuff every day it still doesn't shock me this this is not lost on me I, i'm just floored that we're really living in this time and what floors me even more is when i meet someone in real life in my day-to-day movement whether i'm going to get coffee or doing whatever and, and they're like yeah good for them for doing that to trump because he put together a criminal enterprise and he's doing rico and I, I mean just the amount of ignorance to just common sense to our constitution to our founding documents to the way this country operates and, and the rule of law that's supposed to exist that once existed, in my opinion, uh, and how it doesn't exist anymore is just so shocking, to say the least, and disheartening. Bill, Rutland, Vermont, WVMT. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead, sir. It's my honor. Uh, two things. Uh, the uh, criminalizing, uh, <laughs> criminalizing uh, 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 so-called misgendering, uh, you asked, uh, you know, we're curious what's, what uh, might be behind it. My personal opinion is, uh, in large part, uh, it's uh, just one more of in, uh, recent in the last few years, uh, people grabbing for cheap power. Uh, a lot of vehicles have come along, uh, and uh, uh, we all like power. We all want to... Uh, to have agency, and uh, I, it's, I, anyway, that's anyway, that's that's the whole thing. But I think, well, I think you're right. I think you're spot on. I think. It, let me just pause with you for a second because I really think that what you're saying is so incredibly important. We all want to have agency, right? We are an agent of we the people, and we have a vote, and we have a voice, and we have representation through our representative republic through through democracy in action in this re- representative republic that we have. And that seems to be falling by the wayside where people clearly right now, people that are being polled, whoever these polling people are, they're polling people that say they want to see Donald Trump be the Republican nominee insofar as we can look at this point in time. Their agency is being usurped and undermined by, again, the same radical left-wing lunatics, in my opinion, that are in the media, in the government, in federal law enforcement, that will do anything, uh, that are drunk with power, 
and prostituting our justice system, perverting our our entire electoral system to interfere and in the presidential election process as it pertains to the primary. And that's crazy. And you're right. They're cheating to get cheap power, power that wasn't earned by them. This is astroturf politics. There's no grassroots to this. They're creating and concocting the outcome that they want. This is social engineering at its best. And it's it's crazy that it's happening in America so blatantly. And it's crazier that some people accept it, Bill. It's uh, well, if you have complete control of the media or 98 percent, I mean, this is the time honored method of dictators uh, and totalitarians uh, through the modern age and way before. I'm looking right now uh, at this book I got a few years ago, Stalin's Daughter, and uh, by a Rosemary Sullivan, The Extraordinary and Tumultuous Life of Svetlana. Alilu Yeva, and uh, you know she she was uh, disgusted with the system. She defected to the USA, and you can read uh, you can read KGB methodology of uh, of uh, character assassination, exaggeration, lies, distortion, yeah. and all that. Uh, so uh, you remember, uh, no doubt. Uh, uh, I call him Lenin's favorite people during uh, his rise to power. You remember what uh, he called them? Uh, useful idiots. And uh, useful idiots, sure. We got plenty of them, and, and it seems like we now them. have right. We have a nation filled with useful idiots. Bill, I want to thank you for your call, Rutland, Vermont, WVMT. And I think you're spot on. Great comment. Folks, we're coming back to the rest of your calls. Dothan, Alabama, Reading, Pennsylvania, Brooklyn, New York, Cumberland, Maryland, and more. 833-482-5337. And if you um, choose, uh, give us a call. Call in earlier rather than later because I don't want you to get stuck uh, waiting towards the end. Anyway, the music means that we have to take a quick pause and we're coming right back. There is definitely more to come straight ahead. Give us a call and check out the website, Rich Valdez, America at Night. If you want to listen to any of the previous interviews we've done, every show is archived there. Plus, you can sign up for the podcast, so please sign up for the podcast. Anyway, it's me, Rich Valdez. Still here. Don't move a muscle. We're coming right back. Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. So do, do you have a preference in, assuming you're the Republican nominee and all goes as you plan it to go, do you have a preference in who you run against? Uh, in many ways, I'd love to run against him because his record's so bad. You know, it's still horrible when you look at inflation and everything else, but... Others also have very bad records. I mean, California's a bad record, so, you know, should it be Gavin or should it be somebody else? When I look at San Francisco, what's happened to that 
incredible city. That was one of the greatest cities in the world just a short while ago. And now it's very sad when you look at it. Los Angeles, every city practically, uh, all the Democrat-run cities. You know, Republican-run cities are doing very nicely because they arrest people when you have crimes. And they don't go after political candidates because they think it's good. You know, I mean, it's like been amazing. My poll numbers are the highest I've ever had. Of course, that's El Trumpito, the 45th president of the United States. And he's um, talking about how the the how the nominee is going to shape up in 2024. That was, of course, in his interview earlier this evening with Tucker Carlson on X, formerly known as Twitter. And just uh, some stats on this. It was really, really, really widely viewed just to say the least. Uh, Let's go to Alex, Brooklyn, New York, listening on WFAS. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich, thanks for taking the call. And by the way, I want to comment about the debate. But, you know, that last caller is 100% right about, you know, how Democratic voters are fine with the corruption of justice and the way it's being used against President Trump. But you know what they need to realize? As much as they say orange man bad and it's fine what's going on, I don't know why they're rooting for Joe Biden as opposed to Trump when they're in the same country as I as a Republican am. Democrats are being hit with this inflation, with the cocaine coming through the open border. And now, you know, the border issue is finally reaching Democratic states and cities. So they see what this disastrous president has done. And we're in the same country. It's not like, you know, we're two different teams in two different countries fighting a battle where, hey, we got Trump. If we go under a corrupt regime and dictatorship, when they wake up and say, hey, this, you know, this administration has gone too far, it'll be a little too late because at that point you won't even be able to speak your mind about how you disagree with what the Democratic Party, then the dictatorship party, will be doing. And the Democratic Party doesn't care about its voters uh, any more than they care about Trump. They, they haven't done well for their voters. And, you know, I think it's just stupid to say, hey, orange man, bad. I don't care about the corruption of the justice system because it might hit some Democrats in the face, you know, sooner or later. But I wanted to comment about the debate. Um, yeah, I was, you know, tuning in on and that out. point. Was, yep. It may not only hit Democrats in the face, it might hit you or me. Right. Once once we've allowed, you know, once the foot is in the door and we're allowed to go after people we don't like just because we think they're bad without actually breaking the law or fabricating uh, or I should say uh, stretching these legal definitions and these charges to, to fit the crime that they want it to fit, which didn't exist. Um, we're, we're in pretty bad shape. But go right ahead. Yep, that's 100 percent true. And but at least we realize what's going on and we're going to. Mm hmm. Did we lose you, Alex? We lost you. Well, Alex, um, good point. And I know that you wanted to bring up something related to the um, idea that Trump should have um, done a a town hall or a rally of his own. And all I could say is that. All I could say is that we. In looking at, if if we look at what Tucker brought to the table tonight with Trump, this combination, right, this TNT, it was explosive, absolutely explosive. This video came out, I think, at uh, 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night, Eastern time, 10 o'clock at night, excuse me, 9 o'clock, got it. And 
It has 96 million views so far. I can pretty much bet that there weren't 96 million people watching the debate on Fox. And this is not a slight on Fox. I just don't think that many people watch television, and I don't think that many people were that interested in the debate. Now, I could be wrong. Tomorrow they might say, no, no, Fox blew away, you know, 150 million people. I would be, you know, pleasantly surprised. However, 96 million people watching a video, and that's as of right now. You know, this number is clearly going to go up by tomorrow morning and whatnot. This floors me. People want to hear what Donald Trump has to say. And all of those eyeballs were taken away from the Fox debate. You know, presumably speaking. I can't imagine that many people wanted to watch the debate with the other candidates because I think they're really interested in that dialogue. And that's just remarkable. So thank you for your call, Alex. I appreciate it. And let us, uh, let's see, where do we go? We continue. Let's go to Gracie, Dothan, Alabama, WDBT. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hello, Rich. Um, always been a big fan and uh, listen to your show every night before school. I've always tried to tune in to you and Matt Walsh every night. And I oh, just wanted you. to ask, what religious point of view do you come from? Are you uh, Catholic, Christian, Methodist, yeah, Protestant? So I- yeah, I was raised Catholic in Brooklyn, New York. And as a teenager, I started going to a youth group at a Protestant church, and I liked it. And uh, I kind of stayed there, got married there. After I got divorced, I still go there. And from time to time, my, my church attendance, uh, shame on me, hasn't been that great lately. But um, I still go. And and that's kind of where I live. It's uh, evangelical Protestant. And that's that's uh, the faith tradition that uh, that I participate in, Gracie. Yeah, I just always wanted to call in. And every time I call into a radio show, they're like, you sound really young for your age, but for my age I am. I'm very intelligent than other kids my age. At like 12, I'm very intelligent. You're 12? I am. I'm 12. Wow. So what are you reading right now? Uh, Well, what I'm reading right now is The Giver by Lois Laurie. And also I read a little bit of the um, Gospels. We had to study the Gospels at our school. Because I go to a... uh, Christian school, so we study the Gospels every so often that we study. We're right now studying Genesis a lot more than we are. Yeah, I worked in Christian higher ed for a while, and my daughter uh, goes to a a, a Christian university, and ironically, I would have thought she was going to complain, because I remember years ago, I told her, you should go to Liberty. I think you'd like it there, and she was like, get out of here. I'm not going there. (laughs) She's like, I'm not going to have any fun if I go there. She absolutely loves it, and and one of the things that she actually really uh, liked most, believe it or not, was that she was required as part of the curriculum, no matter what her major was, she had to take X amount of classes in, um, in theology. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a good thing. If, I mean, if that's what you want to learn in life, if that's you know, part of your faith tradition, go for it. What's really unique about Bible study versus the academic study of, of theology is, you know, one's kind of personal enrichment, spiritual growth, and the other one's kind of, you know, head knowledge, academic knowledge, understanding how to, the term they use is exegete, uh, to take apart a text and look at it from a historical perspective, from a cultural perspective, given the time. And it, it adds so much light and, uh, and flavor to the Bible stories that you kind of grew up reading, where they come to life in many ways, because you start to understand things from an entirely different perspective. So I, I commend you for reading your Bible and I continue, I, I, I 
ad, I advise you to continue reading it because I think the more and more you read it, the more and more you'll learn. And as you get older, you're going to realize you're going to look at it for different things in different ways. You know, in many ways it could be historical, in many ways it could be academic, in many ways it could be spiritual. And no matter what, it always works out for, for the betterment of you overall. So thank you, Gracie. You're a very smart girl, and I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you listened to the show. You're so welcome. Thank you for letting me call. You bet. Youngest caller I've ever had in my life. Gracie, everybody. Dothan, Alabama, WDBT. All right, we're going to take a quick pause right here. Come back to your calls. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. And uh, we continue. We continue with our discussion here because we need to continue our discussion. And But before I do, I want to just get into one of these stories that I mentioned before because there's just some craziness that's going on out there. And I mentioned this one to you earlier, but I want you to get the details. This elementary school teacher was dazed and she was sobbing as she was arrested for allegedly being drunk on the job calling it her juice. A third grade teacher was arrested for allegedly being drunk on the job during the first day of school after she was pulled out of the classroom because of her off behavior. Kimberly Coates, 53 years old, was found to be three times over the legal limit while teaching students last Thursday at the Perkins Tyron Intermediate School in Perkins, Oklahoma. There's body cam video of this, uh, of the moment that she was arrested. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just crazy to me that this is going on. But it, this is not something that's new or specific to her. I'll tell you a story. I worked in higher ed for a little while, Christian higher ed and then other higher ed. And I'd gotten invited to a party hosted by a college that I worked for. And they were hosting specifically high school guidance counselors and department heads. And I remember going to this thing and I thought, oh, you know, I didn't know what kind of event it was, but it, it was just like an open bar, happy hour type of cocktail party. And I noticed the teachers were really going in. <laughs> and I thought, man, this is, you know, I just, I th it was a very early party. I mean, cocktail hours, so not that early, but, you know, five o'clock. And I remember I made a joke about it and I was like, wow, I didn't know teachers were so thirsty <laughs> to one of the people that were there. And they're like, well, most of us are guidance counselors. And they said, if you've never met a group of guidance counselors, we love to drink. And I, I didn't know any of this. And again, that, this was in New Jersey. So if you're a guidance counselor and you're listening, you can call and yell at me. But I'm not speaking about every guidance counselor. This was just a group in Jersey at the time. And he was saying, yeah, oh, we drink like fish and blah, blah, blah. And they went on. And, it, and he was explaining it. It's, it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of work. And it's difficult 
to navigate dealing with, you know, so many other people's children and you really, you're not their parents. So you can only go, oh, but so far in teaching them things or helping them or guiding them. And uh, it just stayed in my mind. I was like, wow, I didn't know that there were so many teachers. And he was saying, he's like, I bet you half these people have a bottle of vodka in their in their drawer at their desk. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. You know, and this was, again, many years ago. Um, it's probably 2005, six or seven. But it stayed in my mind. So as I read a story like this one, I can't help but think of that. Now, Coates, she tried to excuse her odd behavior by blaming the anxiety medication she had taken. Now, maybe she was on anxiety medication, which doesn't go well with alcohol. And, you know, you take a Xanax and drink some vodka and you're probably going to be in a world of hurt or bliss for a little while until you're in a world of hurt. But she took a breathalyzer and it showed that her blood alcohol content level was 0.24, which is three times the legal limit of 0.8. Now, although she uh, denied that she had been drinking on the job, Coates did not admit uh, she did admit, excuse me, to drinking half a box of wine the previous night, which she continued until 3 a.m. that morning. So she said, I drank out of that yesterday. She said the one with the blue cap. I didn't drink out of it today. I drank out of that coming to work yesterday. She then admitted to drinking alcohol on the way to work after the uh, sergeant that was uh, questioning her saying, unless you drank, uh, S ton uh, at like eight o'clock this morning. I don't know how you could still be that high. <laughs> uh, she also appeared to be uh, in dispute with the story that she was giving, contradicting herself, noting that she appeared to be fine in the early morning before um, classes began, but then she felt a little off because of the drinking she'd done prior. Anyway. Um, there's photos of her in this article and again, unfortunate, I don't want to, you know, profit, uh, or, or make, make fun of somebody in a, in a difficult moment, but I do have to say, this is crazy. And, you know, we're sending our kids to school to be educated and to learn. And I do believe if you're, if you are a teacher and if you disagree with me, you could let me know, but if you're a teacher, don't you think that you should be of a little bit higher moral character than other people? Right. Like I'm going to use Howard Stern, for an example, uh, another radio guy. If Howard Stern wants to make off color remarks in his job, I don't think it's going to impact anybody's children because it's a kind of adult show. And probably not a lot of kids listen, that type of thing. So he doesn't need to be of this higher moral character. But I think teachers that are public facing employees dealing with other people's children definitely need to. I mean, it just makes sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's go to the phones. Paul, Redding, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Go right ahead, Paul. You're on with Rich Valdez. Thank you, Rick. I would like to, in just two minutes, discuss the most important thing needed. When the Nuremberg trials were held to adjudicate whether the Nazis and others associated were guilty and would be hung. Maybe some people know, but maybe many others don't. There were something like 12 or 16 people of the 35 or whatever, numbers aren't exact, who were acquitted. 
Um, if you go into the details, there were some reasons for that. I'm sure that almost the whole world would say, no, kill them all, hang them all. But instead, we had a court that took uh, two years to get the material together, tens of thousands of pages, and they made the decision based on as a holistic um, um, handling of the facts as possible. You yourself, earlier today, talked about the shooting in Pittsburgh. You began the statement by saying, I'm sure there are some cops that are overweight and don't really care about their job. And that's true. However, you spoke the truth, the bedrock truth, that almost 99% of the police are people that put their lives in danger, do anything and everything they can to uh, help people, mm -hmm. save people's lives. Okay, so um, what I'm trying to say is uh, uh, that being able to look at the whole bedrock truth right, and realize that there's some good and some bad in almost everything and to just get to the facts comprehensively, which is what you do. Oh, thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. And I just think this is something I learned, believe it or not, through church attendance, where, you know, I, I visited many different churches. And I remember I said, I didn't really feel uh, like I was feeling what the pastor was talking about. And another pastor told me once, he said, you know what you got to do, Rich? Chew the meat, spit out the bones. Paul in Reading, Pennsylvania, WEEU. Thank you, sir. Godspeed to you. We're coming right back. Your calls and more straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. short segment. It's the speed round. Let's go to Melissa. She's in North Bergen, New Jersey, WFAS. Go right ahead. Hi, I just good job. I want to talk about the teachers really quick. And I think that I heard during COVID, I had friends that are teachers and they were drinking as soon as they were done teaching their classes, sometimes midday. They said that it was very stressful. You know, it was something new. Now that they're all back to school um, and this has been ongoing, I know it is stressful to deal with parents, but you think maybe you could do something with the the lack of training, just because I feel like stress has to do with things that are like new, that you feel threatened by, you know, and then yeah. a lack of know, training on dealing with stress. Maybe you're onto something, but sometimes radio stressful and I'm not allowed to drink on the air. So if I can't drink on the air, neither can the teachers, but we can talk about that more. Melissa, call in earlier next time. Great talking to you folks. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night and God bless. I am Rich Valdez and we're doing it again tomorrow. Keep it locked right here on this station. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.